0: So, that, so all of that leads me here. Why are we uh-huh. standing on top of a giant landfill? What? Like why did you take me here and why do I see so many discarded
1: candles? Well, Dave, okay. I wanted you to see firsthand the problem facing the candle industry. Mm. L- let me hit you with this stat. This okay. is actually sit down okay. on all those discarded candles. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it's going to be sharp. Okay. Almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next million years. Okay, I, I wouldn't say this to a lot of people, John. Yeah. You're not lying to me because you don't lie to me, John. I, I would never lie, especially
0: uh, about candles. I so, I told you that the first years, day we met. That is Gnarls Barkley crazy. <laughs> Although I must admit, this landfill does smell pretty great <laughs> compared <laughs> to what I anticipated. The, you know, the candles do
1: kind of pick that part up, but it's disturbing, John. Hey, Dave, yeah. you're funny, but this is no time to I'm joke. So okay, the folks you. at Notes yep. knew New. That we all want our homes to smell great. I do. But figured there had to be a more responsible way. And guess what? They found the perfect solution. What did they come Let up Let me tell you. John? If you'll okay. stop interrupting me, so I'll tell you. So Notes created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again. And guess what, Dave? Again. Again. Yes. Please don't interrupt me. So you don't become part of the problem. It's so easy to use. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, and all you do is place the wick in the reusable notes jar, fill it up with the wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then just do it all over again when you're ready to get a new one. Oh, so that means I can switch out of fragrances all the time. That's so right.
0: That sounds great. I'm checking out their website, and I think I already have my eye on the Santal
1: and Alice Atlas Cedar. Cedar. Yeah, I knew and that. And Yumeria and Pink Currant. Yep, yep, yep. The one that you're enjoying right now, uh-huh. Smell so that? Mm, it's vanilla and pepperwood. Ooh. That's like my two favorite scents. And the names of your bunnies, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, just coincidence there. <laughs> okay. Did you know that there are 13 amazing fragrances what? in all? Dave, that's almost 14 oh fragrances. Handcrafted goodness. by fragrance experts at their home base in South Carolina. And they are to die for. Oh, my goodness. Be a responsible consumer
0: while not giving up on high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at NoteCandles.com slash podcast. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code DADVILLE. Just use code DADVILLE when placing your order.
1: That's code DADVILLE at NoteCandles.com slash podcast. Dadville. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes, and I'm John McLaughlin, and welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with David Thomas, Mayor of Dadville.
0: Folks, look, people (laughs) demanded it at this point. It's become synonymous, David Thomas and Dadville. It's become something that is, he's our most notable resident. People spot Mm -hmm. him about in Dadville all the time, Mm -hmm. walking, doing his marathon, training his push-ups in the front
1: yard. Um, If if you're old enough to have lived through Beatlemania... (laughs) Which I, I'm not, but I've seen photographs. Yes. It's, it's Beatlemania-esque. <laughs>
0: yes. When David is out and about in Dadville, people know him so well. Yeah. Um, we are thrilled Welcome to back.
2: have you back on. I'm thrilled cool. to be here. I do have one question okay. before we jump in. Yeah. Here we go. You know, if you return to SNL multiple times, yes. as I understand it, you get a robe <laughs> and a cigar, I think, <laughs> yes. at some point. Yeah. Did you, yeah. Were you all going to do that at the beginning or that comes that, at the end? Uh, at the end, okay. John did was you? heading up that ministry because
1: they they sent, sent a tracking yes thing the, beacon. Be, and beacon. Yes. And I think it was, was. It's on its way. It's
0: like a Louisville.
1: I think so. Yeah, headed on down. the north side. But, so, but it'll take but some
0: time. But we did now. This our version, <laughs> our more budget conscious, friendly version of that is a bag of methodical. Dadville our dear friends, coffee. our partners. It's like Dadville coffee, and it's that's, like a
1: caffeine robe for your bloodstream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can that please be methodical of, as you guys are listening can that please be your
1: guys tagline? beautiful transition it's like a, it's like a velvet you are robe. a wizard with words you, Thank you. are you Thank are you. Thank you.
2: i cannot I, believe you two have gotten your own coffee since i, I was here isn't last. that well what has listen, happened. Listen. i just
1: i just like staring at the package yeah you know? oh boy well let's leave that in we context. can talk about that here yeah. we go <laughs> let's we got a lot to talk about
0: <laughs> oh boy i think i'm off the rails <laughs> I think I'm already off the rails. <laughs> oh, I got to really, I got to tame
1: this whole thing. Oh, the temptation. How, how many times is this now? Is this your fourth More time than people, time?
2: more than could be counted. <laughs>
0: more, I thought you were about <laughs> to say more than anybody else, and that's all that matters. That's
1: all that matters to that's you. All more matters. than anybody yes. else. Yes. I, but, I do want to say, I don't know if I've said this before, and um, if I have, uh, deal with it, but... <laughs> If this were a, a TV show, yeah, like if we televised Dadville yeah. and we had a recurring uh, expert that we brought out, and and this guy walked out, yeah. David Thomas, I would be like, come on, that's not a real that's expert. not a real expert. He's far too handsome. You got some glasses and you went yeah. to a modeling agency, and and yeah. he's reading he he's reading a script or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so I I I say that. Just to say that I, I, I'm I glad that this is a podcast, because you'll be taking it a little bit more seriously. I assume that that's a battle that you fight every day.
2: On the hour sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the hour.
1: Um,
0: okay, I mean, look, I should have just read this, because Jason, our producer, did such a good d- job with this. David Thomas, the current Dadville heavyweight world champion... <laughs> With a record four appearances. Oh, there we go. Four appearances. Uh, I mean, y'all, y'all know him, but I'll, I'll just do the much abbreviated um, brag sheet, catch up. Director of family counseling, boys counselor, and group leader at Daystar Ministries here in Nashville. Featured in the Washington Post, we call it the WP, and USA Today, which we call USAT. USAT. Yep. USAT. No! <laughs> We're on a sprint to that together. Written seven books, with two coming out in 2022. What's the other
2: one? The workbook and the book.
0: Oh my okay. gosh, man! You're like a little library over there. Um, raising emotionally strong boys, which is the book we'll be talking about today, will be released June 14th. Uh, co-hosts, raising boys and girls podcast, which I think you guys had kind of a power couple in
2: recently. Recently,
0: um, it was you could feel it. The town is, abuzz. <laughs> Dadville is Dadville a buzz. Dadville is a buzz. Dadville is <laughs> a <laughs> buzz. Dadville's a buzz. Um, Annie and I were, were on, and that was. You, I mean, David, I know we told you before. If you could have seen Annie and I, like, thinking about that, she must have said a hundred times in the cards we drove her. She's like, I don't, and she was a hundred percent sincere because that, that is all she is. And she said, why are we on, why, what do did, in a hundred percent sincerity, she was like, I, uh, why do they have, why are we going on? And I was like, well, I think they just want to, and she was like, I, are they going to ask us, like,
1: is this like a carry situation? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was like, I, maybe I think, and she was like, I don't, but I, I really don't understand why they want, like, is there, <laughs> are we like going to be an example of things to not do well? Um, so thank you so much for having us on by the way. And, and here we are again. So you have this new book, give, give us, um, so raising emotionally strong boys, all of these books as anyone listening are must reads. I mean, they're all insanely helpful. We just were able to go to y'all's, um, you did another, um, thing at our church which was just always i mean i feel like my thumbs hurt at the end of these things and thankfully you gave us the option to take pictures of the slides this time you weren't watching <laughs> oh because you're doing notes oh my gosh it was i thought it was just, like
1: thumbs up from well the back. it's both it's live, i try to as i type Tweeting from the event
0: <laughs> as as <laughs> as i type i'm throwing little thumbs up oh, okay it's kind of like yeah. that but um but so great so 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 before we jump in what was kind of the impetus for wanting to write this? Has been, you know, I feel like a lot of times we actually had Dustin Nickerson on uh, yesterday, a comedian, and we joked about how he had had this idea for a book for a long time. But as you're thinking about things you want to talk about as a counselor, do, I mean, even ten years ago, are you kind of thinking like, you know, I can already tell you the kind of books at some point I'd love to have out as a counselor. Is this one of those, or is this something that you know, as you've progressed in your in your profession, that you went, you know, this is especially what I want to write about. You know,
2: well, let me just back up one step and say the power couple we hosted. I want to go back to that comment. <laughs> okay, please do. We are about to release that episode. There's a lot of marketing publicity to yes, do around that, obviously. Right. But Here we go. I'm Lawyers, only going to tease that forth. episode by yeah. saying the opening was the two of them doing Islands in the Stream. That's how we began. Well, so we, you can only imagine listen. where it goes from there.
0: <laughs> the fact that Annie wanted me to be Dolly meant a lot. Yeah. That was the first Finally. right move. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Finally. Thank she, you. she gave it to you. Years I've been asking. <laughs> so listeners, jump over to Raising Boys and Girls to catch that. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. Well, you're kind to ask about it. You know, I think I would say 25 years – into the work Jesus. louise is it really been that long i started when i was six you see enough
0: <laughs> you were a prodigy I seen kids older than I you i was a
2: child but <laughs> seeing evidence over the years of doing that work of you know some of the same things surfacing again and mm-hmm. again and again and and wanting to think as intentionally as i could about like I opened the book with that Frederick Douglass quote of, you know, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Mm, And to think in that space of what would it look like to offer more preventative um, on the front side with boys, thinking about how we as adult men lead some of the scariest statistics out there and wanting to feel like I did everything I knew to do from what I've learned with, you know, clocking in that many years of work with boys Mm. and, and men to think about um, offering something that felt useful that maybe would work me out of a job in some ways. Like, one of my great hopes as parents read this is this sense of, gosh, I feel like I've got a lot of practical things I could be doing with him that could build some emotional muscles to where maybe I'm not needed at at some Mm -hmm. point along the journey. So that was really the the hope for me in writing it.
0: That's amazing. And is that something, like, with Sissy, are you... um do you, I mean, even though she's specializing, obviously, in the female side of that, uh, working with girls. I mean, are you are you kind of, is she, a, are you taking stuff to her? Who are the Do you have people around you that are kind of helping shift? The thing that, this is probably what I'm really asking without asking, the thing that would scare me so much about doing something like this, obviously I don't have your expertise, is it's such a sensitive thing, and you really want to get it right you know, because we can, John and I can make mistakes with things and it doesn't really matter as much. But I mean, when you're really an authority on something, and I think too, with how much we're learning and and you guys are at the front of this, I think when you're the studies and the information we're learning, especially right now, especially with social media, especially with computers, it's changing so quickly. Like the stats are changing, you know, and you do such a good job of that. And your uh, talk the other night at church is just walking us through like, Hey, even in the last, what did you say? Like, was it six or eight years you'd found that even now the stats are changing oh, and sort of sno- snowballing. Yes. Um, so, so that's gotta be an interesting when you're doing a book like this, knowing even as you put that out, you may find that like the stats already changed or it, how much you having to think about those kind of things. And what I feel like is a season for young people in general, so much of that with what's being introduced every day, technologically or, Societally is changing. Like, is that how? How do you navigate that in writing a book like that? It's always changing.
2: And, you know, to your question, when we wrote "Are My Kids on Track?" and did the research back in 2015, the statistic at that point was that one in eight kids struggled. Yes, with anxiety. this is what you talked about. Yes. And then by 2019, when Sissy released her book on girls and anxiety, it had jumped to one in four. And then over the pandemic, it shifted to one in three adolescents with the suspicion being that if we keep trending in this direction, like we'll be at one and two not long from now. Like every other kid could be struggling in that space, which, you know, is back to I want to do everything possible on the front side to really help kids have a strong foundation emotionally to navigate what all three of us know is a hard world.
1: Is that, is that just... And maybe this is too simple to to give an answer to, but, like, in general,
2: is that just coming from, like, the overflow of anxiety of the parents? It's a lot of factors. I mean, there's no question. In fact, the stats there would be that if kids have at least one parent who struggle with anxiety, they're seven times more likely.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: And for parents listening who have girls, girls are twice as likely to struggle with anxiety. Jeez. But... Interestingly enough, more boys get taken in for help. Huh. And we could have a whole conversation oh. about the why of that. Because yep. yep. I wrote some about yep. that. Yep. yep. But yep. there is a greater vulnerability, like there would be with a lot of things, you know, if, if yep. a parent has has struggled in that space. But there's no question that technology is a significant ingredient because, you know, all the research that's been done in that space of you know, the summary statement being kids who are on technology less report being happier and have less anxiety and depression. Kids Mm -hmm. who are on it more are more vulnerable. So it's a lot of factors. It's not just Mm -hmm. one factor, but it's a lot of factors. And then I would, you know, add to that, I think about everything in the pediatric space, all the different arenas where kids exist, we have turned up the volume. Like think about the age old phrase of kindergarten is the new first grade. Like there's truth to that. If we look back 50 years ago at what we were doing right. in first grade, then it's what we're doing in kindergarten now. Wow. Right. we've accelerated academics. Oh, we've accelerated I, I, wow. athletics. Really? That's a thing. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Oh, I definitely feel that with with our girls' homework.
1: I mean, it's the stuff that Luca is learning in third grade that she's bringing home that needs help with. I mean, this has been years and years and years ago, but I'm
2: like, I swear I was not doing this until like fifth grade. Hmm. Oh, gentlemen, just wait. Like my kids in eighth grade took classes I took in high school. My kids as juniors and seniors took classes I took in college. Like everything's accelerated from the front side of the educational journey to the back side. And then think about athletics. Like, yeah, yeah. I talk about that in the book that (coughs) when I was growing up, I knew tons of guys. I'd be curious if this was you all's experience. You know, like tons of guys who played multiple sports every year. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's <clears> rare. <throat> I, don't, I don't work with a single high school kid who plays three sports anymore. Really? By the time they're because junior they or senior. Because they've got to put all their eggs in one. Absolutely. That it's a 12 month experience for yeah, a lot of kids right. in their yeah, sport. And yeah, so yeah. it becomes impossible. And then think about the number <laughs> of kids that we know who have the kinds of injuries as at 14, 15, 16 year sixteen-year-olds yes. that, that would take them out. So right. we've accelerated every arena, which is another key ingredient that as we dial up the pressure and the expectation, we set the stage for so, more so anxiety. So potentially yeah.
0: dumb question, which is actually something we specialize in here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I specialize. I'm sort of the doctor of these. Um, why is that? I mean, maybe this could be a TED talk, I'm sure, but like of of answering this. But why do you think that is those things get like what is causing the acceleration? Well, I feel like the the
1: like uh what's the what's the word? The desire to like lean toward that is a good thing. Is like just progress.
2: Right? Certainly. And I would say to what you're both saying, you know, I think we could agree that as a culture, like we are a more is better culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in some spaces it is like, right. but but think about the internet. Like we have access to more information. That's a great thing. Mm. We've never had so much access and our kids have more exposure, which creates more anxiety and could access some really scary, I have a whole chunk of content on boys and pornography in this. Mm. It's like, when I was growing up, it was really difficult mm-hmm. to get the guy behind the counter at a convenience market to sell a boy one magazine, and right. that would be the most exposure you could have. Now a boy could sit in his room and access thousands, millions of images in a short period of time. And not even want to. Sure. Yeah. Just just in an innocent search or asking some kind of normal developmental, I'm curious about this question. Right. So it's it's both and. You know, the, the access to more is a great thing, and... It's a scary thing as well.
1: John. Yeah, why'd you hesitate? John, but no, I'm right here. John. No, I see you. Oh, i sorry. Just uh, because I'm not looking at you doesn't mean I don't see you. Oh, that's true. And that means emotionally too. Let right. me ask
0: you something. Do you have any okay. questionable eating habits or questionable? Either one of those you can questionable answer. Questionable or questionable? Questionable or questionable. Okay.
1: Yeah, I have a few. Okay. I would say, Let's how do. about you?
0: Well, after the kids go to bed, I get the late night munchies, right? Sure. And I always want to go for a bowl of that chocolate-flavored cereal that turns the milk into Into chocolate chocolate milk. milk, And it's like the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. But man, are
1: those things
0: loaded with sugar and carbs. Yeah. I need to be smarter, John. Maybe find a cereal
1: with high-quality ingredients that's more balanced. Let me cut you off right there. One, because you're done with your sentence. And two, because I need to tell you about Thrive Market. I just downed a bowl of cereal of Catalina Crunch Dark Chocolate Cereal. Let me say it again. You know what? No, I won't. I'm going to keep going. It's the perfect swap for your Dracula or like bird themed sugary chocolate yeah, yeah, cereal? Yeah, we that all you know eat. those. We know those. Yeah. Thrive Market is full of great products like that. And it's also, it lets you filter results based oh, no, on your no. lifestyle what? needs, Dave. What? Yeah. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, you know, low sugar foods or gluten free essentials, Thrive Market it makes it happen. Okay, John, look, that sounds awesome. Yep. Sounds a little expensive. Dave, it sounds expensive. Okay. But as a Thrive Market member, what I save money on every single grocery order. An average of 30% each time, Dave. Dave. I'll say that again. Okay. You know what? No, I'm going to keep going. Okay. They also have a deals page that changes daily. In fact, today... I saved over forty percent Don't say, say That's almost forty five percent don't on say save catch <laughs> save, wild Save catch wild, wild you pink say salmon. That. You know what? I'll say it again. No, I'm not gonna say it again. And Sprague am I pronouncing that correctly? I don't even know. I'm just so excited John. Organic lentils and vegetable soup. Oh.
0: I saved forty percent, Dave. It could be Sprague or spragua. And that's for the people who know, okay? <laughs> it says here that when I join Thrive Market, yep. I'm also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. That's I right. join They Give, John. You join
1: They Give. You know what? Join in on the savings at Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free, you're not going to believe this, no. but I'm going to say it, What? free $60 gift. Oh, that's Go to thrivemarket.com slash dadville for 30% off your first order Plus a free sixty dollar gift. I'm going to tell him again, John. That's
0: THRIVE market.com slash Dadville. Thrive market.com slash Dadville. Johnny, Johnny, he's a man, and if he can't do it, don't nobody can. Johnny, Dave, no. Oh, yeah, it should have been. I, I get should. what you're doing though, because yeah, you need to say my name. Because your name's but dead. it's your song, so it should have. It's been my song. It yes. is. It's a great song. No, thank you. Um, so, question I have yeah. for you: uh, Would you rather have someone read your diary, okay, or you, or steal your identity online? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, that's tough, but okay. you know what? Thankfully, I use ExpressVPN to keep all my online security safe and secure. Look at you! Why don't you just use incognito mode? Do you know well, about that? Well, let me tell you something. Okay, incognito mode does not hide your activity. (gasps) It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history or anything like that. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. People be thieving. Do you People know what I'm be
0: thieving. They will steal from you, John. Yeah. Okay, and it doesn't matter who your internet service provider is. ISPs in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies.
1: Mm-mm, no Express
0: sir. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers, so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. John,
1: you know, most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. You say that it all the time. It runs seamlessly in yep. the background, and it's so easy to use. All you have to do. Tap one button. How many buttons, John? Just one, Dave. Gosh. And
0: you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices—phones, computers, and even your smart
1: TV. So there's no excuse for you to not be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit our exclusive link at expressvpn.com/dadville, and you will get an extra three months Dude, free. On your one-year package. Uh, it couldn't be
0: easier, everybody. Head to expressvpn.com slash dadville and protect yourself today. So watch. This is where you're going to see some of the professional podcasting hosts. Here we go. And I, don't I love <laughs> it when he does this. I can't <laughs> wait. I
1: love to watch him. <laughs>
0: Do, it. Do
2: it. Do it. Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> <your> seat <belt. laughs>
0: it The thing that people don't understand is it's a blessing, but guess what a burden, too. And that's what you don't know <laughs> when you sign up for it. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. So, so I, I want to talk about technology. So, so so, with preparing to be with you, John and I were talking about how we kind of had all these questions that we just selfishly wanted to ask. You know, you've been so great at helping with Q&A with other people's questions, but we were like, man, it'd be fun to just kind of ask some things about what we're walking through and our families that I bet will translate into other families that are listening um, and parents that are listening, But uh, which I think is at about 500 600,000 an episode. But I think... Um, Easy. Easy. Uh but I think so I want to do that and, and oddly enough, the transition which you started talking about technology this is one of the things we were gonna talk we wanted to ask you about. And and it's kind of a two part question. I was sitting with Annie and kinda of going, Okay, you know, we've got the grand ball, He's coming. She started to get emotional, screamed, just started crying and um and I said, you know, is there anything that you'd like to ask? And she had a couple. One of those was Uh, You know, there's around technology, which, again, you talk about, and that's kind of the second question I have with the book. Um, But she was saying, you know, there's a quote. I'd never actually heard this. You don't want to be the first, but you don't want to be the last with your kids. Maybe that's something you all say with, like, kind of introducing them to technology. So you don't want them in their class or their community or their friend group that, like, you know, they're the first, but you also don't want them to be the one that's, like, kind of trying to catch up with everybody. Um, And some of the questions were kind of around this theme, and you'll hear, but what freedoms do you give... Um, what devices are better than others, if that's even a thing? And then, how, really primarily, um, how can a child gain independence and have good access to technology in a way that's like helpful or good or, mm-hmm. or what you would hope for, I guess? That's a lot of questions. Those
2: are great questions. And first thought would be this you know, when we talk about not being the first or the last. You know, the, the thinking behind that being that if if kids are the first in their community to get access to everything, you know, those are often kids that when I was growing up were known as fast or, you know, now probably yeah. it's more cutting edge that I don't think helps kids develop in a, a healthy, helpful way. Hmm. And on the other side of it, if I don't get access to anything until I'm dead last in everything, I think it creates a desire for those kids to want to figure out a workaround. So I think it sets the stage for something really scary. So we Mm -hmm. talk about next to last is a great place to fall. The disclaimer I would add to that would be this. I want any parent listening to know it is okay to choose a few categories where you just say, we're not going to do this form of technology. Like this is kind of Mm a place where I'm going to put a stake in the ground. So I know there's some parents listening that are like, but – but what if I just don't feel safe at all? And you're saying I got to be next to last with this. So, you know, like one example would be, I I think when my boys were growing up and we were talking about different video games, they wanted, like I just said, I'm open to talking about any game you're interested in with the exception of grand theft auto. Yeah. That's one I'm going to say no to. It involves shooting policemen and raping women. And I'm not okay with that. I don't want it in the house. I don't want to support the company, all those things. Uh So, I want any parent listening to hear me say, like, it's okay to pick something and say, I'm going to put a snake yeah, in the ground. Right, that's yeah. the We're going to say yes to these social media platforms. We're going to say no to this one. I would say, in addition to those thoughts, I think I want parents to think about technology a lot, like driving, that we want to be preparing kids to be on the road. And mm. if I say no to everything, and then I hand you car keys on your 18th birthday when you're heading to it's yeah. like, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't feel yeah. safe about you being on the interstate. So... I really do want to challenge parents to see it as training ground and to, you know treat it like that like in this country you get your permit when you're 15 and you have to spend a whole year in the car with your parents so when you get your first social media account parents have the password parents checking text all the things that we would want to be doing to offer more insight Mm -hmm. hopefully moving toward less as kids show evidence of being responsible but For kids who struggle, and they're just our kids who are going to fumble the ball more in those spaces, we're going to pull the rope back the same way we would take away car keys. You know, mm-hmm. if I find out you're drinking, I'm going to take yeah, the car yeah. keys away and yeah. we'll go back to square one and yeah. build back. So I think if we work within that mindset, we're really thinking on training kids to use technology responsibly. And I think that analogy makes sense too, because you know, we all agree driving a car is a big, scary, important thing. I would argue technology I think is even bigger and scarier. Yeah. So would
1: you say social media specifically goes just right along with technology at large? Because it's it now has just become
2: such a part of life? Absolutely. And I do think for all the things that are concerning about it, one upside is I mean, two. One is that there are some great things going on. Right. There really are. There's some great fundraising efforts that I have known adolescents to be a part of on social media where they're doing some amazing things in this world. Mm. So it is certainly a platform that can be used for good. Secondly, I would say too, I think it's a great vehicle for helping kids develop critical thinking. Like Mm. I think there's a lot of opportunity for conversation to talk with kids about what are you seeing? Who are you following? What's their message in the world? Like, what do you think they're hoping to accomplish with their Mm -hmm. platform? What's good about that? What's not great about that? And so, you know, it's certainly obviously a, a great context for talking about, comparison and what do you feel like when you get off what do you feel like when you get off after having spent a lot of time on this person's account versus this person's account and so I think great opportunity within the training for good conversationing.
0: do you do you have any like uh, guidance toward like ages you're kind of looking at certain you know is there I mean I'm sure every kid is wildly different I mean so this is a little bit of a tricky question but do you kind of have for anyone that's listening you know uh you know, at this age, we're kind of looking about this much screen time and these kind of things they are participating in this age, you know,
2: I would say you're hundred percent correct that I think it's unique to the kids because okay. I have known some kids who were so responsible, so conscientious that, you know, back to the driving analogy, I felt fantastic about them being on the road at 16. And I've had some boys I've worked with that I've said to their parents, I want you to slow that down. And We're going to reassess around 16 and a half and see where he is. But there wasn't enough evidence on the table that he could handle that enormous responsibility well. Now, I would also say to that that I do want to challenge parents to pay really close attention to the starting points that have been set for a lot of social media platforms. Like the number 13, for example, with Instagram didn't just get picked out of the air. You know, like there was a lot of thought in terms of thinking about where kids developmentally – in terms of readiness emotionally, socially, cognitively to be able to handle that. And that's the beginning point. There are some kids out there that I would say that's too much for them. In fact, this is not going to be a popular um, position, but I would argue strongly that I don't know many kids in middle school that I think benefit from social media. Wow. Yeah. So even though 13 would be the starting point, you know that's roughly 7th grade for a lot of kids yeah. and that is as vulnerable a space developmentally as it comes yeah. and so i know plenty of parents who push until high school to say that's going to be our starting point with that like you can have access to a device but we're not going to move into that space until yeah, a little bit right. later that's helpful so i and and i just don't know i mean i've intersected with a lot of families who've started that around 10 and i push hard against mm. that because i just cannot in my mind think of a reason that a 10-year-old needs to be on social media right. and would benefit in any way from that experience.
1: It's just so tricky because I you know, with social media, I think the analogy of the car is great because you know, you don't want to just keep this this part of being a human being on planet Earth from our kids for whatever reason and then all of a sudden they go out into the world and then they figure out all the nuances and pros and cons of that thing on their own. That's basically you saying like I don't want to parent through this right. for my own sake. So you deal with it when the day comes. So I get that with social media specifically it is it's kind of this thing where it's like do we do we treat this do we look at it through the lens of this like non-existent ideal principled space or do we look at it through like well the reality is this is the world we live in Mm -hmm. because if if we're looking at it through the former i'm like i don't want them to have social media yes there are good things but i i don't want to be on it i don't want you know like all those good things that come from social media are at best a you know A replication of something that you can have a better, Hmm. more pure experience of, well, like face to face, right? So it's not they're not going to be deprived of anything if they never have a social media account, but if we look at it through the latter lens, it's like yeah, but this is the world we live in. Also, they they are going to have social repercussions if they are the kid who doesn't have, I mean, of course I would, I would hope that my daughters are just like, we don't want to do it. And you know, and we don't care. Like we see what it does, et cetera. They're secure enough to like, they just don't want, I hope that's like the movement that happens, you know what I mean? And they just don't want to be on social media. But, and and I sort of pose this as just the three of us as parents, not so much you as the expert to sign off on something like this, but that's kind of how I, I oscillate between those two. I'm like, "Do I look at this through the lens of like, well, let's parent them when the when the time comes, is it thirteen, is it fifteen, whatever let's let them have a social media account at fifteen, let's say, and let's help them kind of navigate in the way that you so well articulated, like how do you feel when you're on this how do you let's help them kind of go out into the world and deal with social media?" That makes sense to me, but also there's just such a huge part of me that is like, no, I don't ever want them to under our roof, no social media. And I don't know if that's good or bad, you know.
2: Well, here's a thought, you know, as as you table that, John, talking about the social repercussions, and as we just had a conversation about girls being more vulnerable to anxiety, like, that mm-hmm. would be a great question I would want parents to wrestle with. Like, here, all three of us sit here, we all three have daughters, which means we know our girls are more vulnerable to anxiety. We know that um, one in three are going to struggle with it in adolescence. And we're thinking about their emotional well-being alongside the social repercussions. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, I want to be evaluating both as I'm making the decision about the starting point. And I want to say something hopeful, too, as you were talking about how it could play out. Like, I had a conversation recently with one of my sons and, something came up and I was like, have you seen that on social media? And he was like, you know, I turned it off for a while. Like it just, is not helping me right now. And was one of my proudest parent moments, you know, to think that's, that's kind of the end game of what we hope that we've trained kids in that direction. Now he just turned 20. So Mm -hmm. we had a long runway of having a lot of conversation to evaluate When's it helping you? When's it not? What do you feel like? All those things we talked about a little bit earlier that I think it's very possible we can get kids to that place. And they can have access and use it in different moments. Know when to turn it on and turn it off. You know, set screen time, alerts, all of those things that would be something I want parents to believe absolutely can happen. That it's not just that I have to pretend like it's not there and not invite it or... Let it just take over my family.
0: Well, you know, I, I think something that is so powerful about that conversation I'm sure you've had with your kids and your son would be, um, you know, has the ability to understand this is this has repercussions for good and bad. And I think that conversation, to me, gives me a lot of hope around social media with our kids they get introduced to is going, hey, look, there are two things happening here. Because initially, you're just going to be fascinated with it. It's really fun. You're going to be entertained by it. There's a voyeuristic thing that's really appealing, but no two, there are really bad things with it. And as you handle this, all that I ask is that you, you're taking stock of like, when you shut it off, cause you get mad, why'd you just get mad? And is it worth getting mad? Is it worth being on there? If you're getting mad a lot, is it worth being on there? If you're getting anxious a lot, is it worth being on there? If you're starting to feel bad about your body all the time or whatever, and so, I think for me, what's so powerful about what you're saying with your son is obviously he knew there are two things at play to the point that he could go, I'm not really enjoying how I feel because this thing can do this to me and I don't want to feel like this anymore. Yes. And so, I think that that is a great, that's really helpful to me to realize as we talk about this to introduce it as something that does provide these different experiences that are very worth keeping, you know, apprised of as you're doing it and your kid you know, walking through that too. Um, so that is wonderful. You are good at your job, my man. Um, okay. One of the things, uh, another thing that, that I wanted to kind of, uh, ask you about, um, which again, you talk about, uh, in the book is just discipline. Um, do we do it? No. Um, so something, there was a moment last night that sort of, we had with one of ours and they just were pretty defiant. And I think, you know, the, the the little bit of things that I know about this from having read about it is, you know, that's a space you're really watching is sort of like discipline around like they're just being a kid and you're kind of helping to put some guardrails and some things and help, But then there's this other piece where they are squaring up with you in the eyes kind of like, I
1: ain't gonna do that.
0: You know, and you're very clearly communicating, And that's happened with one of ours and it was just a really frustrating moment. Like I was getting angry um, and it, you know, it like, it got, tensions and there was, uh, consequences that were not very, you know, and, and then they're not really doing what I'm asking. So I'm doubling down. Um, in those moments, I guess one of the things that I'm wondering is like, I know as a man, a lot of this is about respect. Like I'm feeling disrespected and I'm doubling down because it's like, no, I will be respected in this house. It's a lot of that energy, but this, this was a different moment because I really felt like they were looking at me going, this is a, who wins. 'Cause I am I am I'm down for this fight. Like this is a hill for me to die on. And so I think for me in those moments, I'm really trying to figure out how you navigate that energy. Not just they're not I've called you five times, stop playing basketball and come inside. That's just, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But this is a very much like and it's like, let's do it, Dad. You know, how how do you navigate those moments? Like as a parent and maybe especially as a dad, when you're like, Oh, they this is like go time. This is a little Ebenezer moment where they're like Let's see who wins, and I'm testing my, you know, a lot of things, but, like, what do you do in that moment? Like, how how do you handle that?
2: I think the first thing you do is exactly what you did. Like, I love, within asking that, you talked about how aware you were of yourself, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we want discipline to be about teaching. It's not first about punishment, mm-hmm. which I think is what we think about mm-hmm. first often, right? but it is about helping kids make connection. That's the teaching part of it, and... If they aren't in a place, if they aren't regulated enough to make good connections, which a lot of kids are not when they're amped up emotionally, yeah, yeah. or we're not in a good place to offer the teaching because we're so amped yeah, up, right, right. no one's going to get what they need. Yeah. In kids that aren't moment aren't, that you described, um, <laughs> I can just picture like
1: 99.8% of my brain shuts off. Oh, and yeah. All the yeah, blood yeah. goes to this yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah. section oh, that's yeah. like, I will win this. <laughs> that, yeah. I will win. The Lord is on my side. <laughs> and I will teach you. <laughs> like, this is, that is as binary as it gets. Oh, yeah, 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 You know? Yeah.
2: Like, I'll win. You know? Yeah.
1: Sorry, yeah. I cut you off.
2: No. And and because that's the case, that's where we could miss the opportunity for teaching. And we as parents could over-parent or over-discipline in those moments just because I'm responding out of my amygdala, not out of yeah, right, right. what I want to have happen. And so I'd say to any parent listening, it is never a bad thing to say... We're calling a timeout right now, both of us. You go to this space, I'm going to this space, and we'll circle back up and talk about what's gonna happen next. Oh wow. Giving opportunity for us to get regulated and kids. And this whole book is about regulation. Like how we do it well, how we help kids do it well. That's that was so much a focus in this book for that very reason. I would say nextly in those moments, you know, I think Kids testing boundaries is a normal mm-hmm, part of development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk so much about how boundaries create security. And, you know, the strongest willed kid out there never wants to be the strongest person in the room. Right. Though right. their behavior that's, can communicate. That's they so don't well want said. It because that's it right. doesn't feel unsafe. If I'm ten yeah. and I'm the strongest person in the room, there's no grown up to take care of me. Right. And so right. in those moments God, that's so if you could even say some version of that back to yourself, like, you know what? testing boundaries is normal he's needing some security he may be acting like he wants to outperform me he never does like he doesn't want to be the strongest mm-hmm. person in the room no matter yeah. what's going on and then last thing i would say is we just talk a lot about how all behavior is communication of some kind mm-hmm. so i would also just say trying to dig into what is going what is he needing right now Yeah. what else may be at play what's underneath at this point point? and does it matter like this scenario that dave just
1: painted to you. I'm thinking of the millions and millions of listeners we have right now. Mm. Some of them are Mm -hmm. gonna are thinking, Oh yeah, my four year old does that all the time and some of them are thinking that is exactly how my thirteen year old acted last night. Are those two scenarios would you be like, Okay, for person A, here's some thoughts. For person B, different situation. Like you handle it differently because developmentally maybe they're (coughs) this is what the four year old's going through. Or is it the same? Like, no, it's the basic same basic elements, 13 and 4.
2: You know what's interesting about you picking both those ages? There's a lot the same about those two. Now, oh, right. I would say I think there could be some difference John just is based really on. really smart. Just FYI. Yeah. Just yes. to yeah. But what's interesting I'm about. I'm five steps ahead in this conversation. <laughs> Always has been my experience. Or behind. It, but, but it's one of the two. <laughs> There's but steps. usually I
1: happen. There's steps involved. <laughs>
2: But what is similar is that in both those moments of development, kids are craving a lot of independence and autonomy Uh and test driving that in different ways. And there is, I think we've talked a little bit about this before, this skills and needs discrepancy that's at play. Mm -hmm. Like It makes me laugh how often I've heard 13- and 14-year-old boys say things like, you know, it's ridiculous that you have to wait till you're 16 to drive a car in this country because I could do that right now if I wanted to. Totally. To which I always think. I would never want to be on the road with a fourteen-year-old boy ever, ever. But I get that you believe you could. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) true. Yeah, yeah. but believing I have all the skills to execute this, and I think it's why four-year-olds would say things like, "I can buckle myself in." Yes, and they can't always. You know, they're jabbing at the buckle. Those two
1: ages come at like a
2: transition moments or something like that. What, What is what's the parallel between those two ages? Those two are. Different identity formation stages of development where kids are just wrestling with their sense of who they are. And that's so that's a lot of what's at play, I think, yeah. in both those spaces.
1: John Dave. Dave. That was good. Did you end with a V? I did, but because job. I kind of was trying to, okay. to land
0: with your ending. All right, anyway.
1: Dave, yeah. I think we finally made it. You
0: knew I was going to do it. I
1: think we finally, finally. made it. Ta-va. You're ending everything with a V. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. season of it.
0: No, I think we finally made it. Yeah, I did too. Did we get. When you say it that way, yeah. it makes me think, did we finally get our name on
1: the billboard? I've nope. been calling that guy all no. the time. Yeah, that search continues. But no. we have our own signature coffee blend. John, stop. Stop. Dadville Dad. Coffee. Stop. What are the three. It's ever since I met you, uh-huh. when you were at Anderson University, yeah, there were 20 three years. 20 years as ago. I told you. Yep. And they were all the same thing. What were they? You said. What's your name And I want to have a coffee blend with you I can't Are you telling me That today That dream is realized It is
0: realized Don't do this to me Don't do this to me Listen I I, I was drinking coffee this morning Uh And it had a certain Joie de vivre about it Mm -hmm. Okay I think it's actually the Dadville blend. Because I looked at it. Of course it it is. Listen, I looked at it and I thought, no, that's actually too good to be true. That's one of the three things I've Mm -hmm. wanted in life that Mm -hmm. are actually, as you said, the same thing. And it's that we have a Dadville blend. Methodical, our homies, our home slices. So good. The coffee roasters with the mostest roast their coffee to best express the life it lived John yep. Okay, respect the bean Dave the place the weather the soil and to honor the skilled people who cultivated it methodical roast coffee to order so you always
1: receive the freshest That's beans right. possible
0: and when I drink it I taste hints of chocolate yeah Gram and brown sugar? Yep. it's what, Mm -hmm. And and a little bit of just good times. (laughs) That's just in there for free. Visit methodicalcoffee.com for more information and use the discount code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. Spoiler alert, Uh I know
1: exactly what I'm getting myself for Father's Day. You know what's crazy? I'm
0: getting myself the same.
1: Oh my
0: gosh. Don't forget to visit methodicalcoffee.com for more information and use the discount code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. Well, let me let me ask you this. What I found myself doing to finish the story in in humility and, and vulnerability here, I walked upstairs, um, sat with them, and said, "Listen." And this could have been I'm being really vulnerable because you may be like Dave. Leave. We're taking you down to Daystar. We're all going to sit around you and pray. We have a thing we do with tea leaves. It's really helpful and emotional. Um, but I just said, "Listen, you need to understand something." Like. Um, when I ask you to do something, I want you to do it and you doing what you did is not going to work here because that's not how we work. Just basically kind of putting some groundwork around like every time you do that, we're going to have a similar response. And so is that a terrible move?
2: Not at all. Okay, because
0: the whole time I was it, was like, man, this could be like the moment, like fast forward, cut to her in therapy. And Dad always said, that's never going to happen. And that's, you know, that's why I what, steal. Are you
1: saying that because you're taking away her, like, independence? or? Well, just of- I, 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 in the moment, I was like, I feel like this is right
0: because I feel like this is a great way to establish some boundaries and yeah. her have appropriate expectations. But I also was like, guys, this just machismo like John Wayne. Like, right. let me tell you something. So, yeah, you know, like that's never gonna work here. Yeah. You know, but it felt. It's but great I, great John Wayne. Thank you. I was, ta- I was like, who is this? By the way, just nondescript cowboy that's a guy, stunt double. That's <laughs> 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 uh, Jim Wing. Jim Wing. <laughs> <laughs> um but but I mean, it, it, is that good? Sort of ha- it, I, that's something I find a lot with the three of them is like those moments. I find myself saying like, hey, just so you know, you can do that. That is your choice, but this is going to be the response. So you can keep pushing, but it's going be there's going to be consequences. Mm.
2: And there's so much safety for kids in that. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's, it's the exact same thing that kids experience with structure. Like, even when kids mm. moan and complain and act like we're running their life with chores, you know, it's the very reason, back to, you know, what four-year-olds need, that in every preschool environment across the country, <laughs> you walk in the room, You hang your backpack in the same place. You go sit in the same spot in circle time. You wash your hands at 9.55. You have a snack at 10. Like All that structure, all that sameness, all that ritual provides safety, and kids are craving that. So when we're the strongest person in the room, we're offering safety. Mm -hmm. When there are responsibilities – and chores, we're offering safety. Mm-hmm. When kids come up against boundaries, they experience safety. And when we discipline, when they push yeah. against those boundaries, there is safety.
1: Yeah. That that yeah. Can I ask one one more, um, possibly dumb question? Because as you're talking about your scenario, I was thinking about the scenario that I had when I had the girls to myself a couple weekends ago, and I was so oh, excited. Yeah. We talked about this. <laughs> yes. So the the scenario <laughs> that, that, that brings this up for me is I Amy was away for the weekend on a on a much deserved uh getaway and I had the girls to myself which I was so excited about because it never happens. It maybe happens once a year. And so I was so excited and we're gonna do like, you know, movie night. And what do you want? You wanna bring in the mattresses downstairs? Let's do it. Let's build a fort out of the neighbor's house, whatever. And so we're having a great night. We watched a movie. We had pizza. We had ice cream. All this stuff. It's like ten o'clock. It's pushing ten. And I'm I've I've asked them in a in a fun dad voice, hey, all right, guys, why don't you go get your PJs on and brush your teeth, okay? Ignor- nothing. Nothing. Two times, three times, four times. By the fifth time, I'm like, inside, I'm a volcano. But on the outside, I'm like This is. I will not be robbed of this fun weekend. I'm fun dad. I'm gonna give it a a, one more go with the fun tone. All right, guys, let's (laughs) let's get up there and brush your teeth. And they just just not listening. And so I finally, I just yelled at them, Mm -hmm. and one of the girls starts crying. (laughs) One of the girls. Seems not affected at all. And I tell you what, like the mixed feelings I had about both of those scenarios. <laughs> I'm like, I hate that I made you cry, my baby girl, but why aren't you crying? <laughs> <laughs> you should both be crying. And I put him in timeout. And so, my question to you is just in general, how should we feel about just raising our voices? Like, part of me in that moment is like, I gave him five freaking chances. Like, but is it ever appropriate to raise our voice? Like, I mean, I like yelled at them to the point where, again, one of them just started crying. I like in that moment, I feel like a complete failure as a father. And it, you know, I apologized to them for for yelling. Which, while when I was doing that, I'm like, I think I should be apologizing. I don't know. I just hate that I yelled, so I'm gonna apologize. And it was fine. They, I think they were fine. It's fine but but of course as i'm lying in bed that night i'm like this will be the thing they remember they won't remember anything else about this weekend book book
0: five years now session with sissy. it
1: will be in their 300th session with sissy (laughs) and they'll only be talking about
2: this (laughs) in general would you say you should you should aim to never raise your voice you know and i just want to confirm you were not a failure And we are just going to do that. Like, it's just going to happen. And I love that you used it as an opportunity for repair. Yeah. And that sense of, you know, this is not who I wanted to be in this moment. And I would say, you know, part of what I talk a lot about in this book is how we get ourselves from stress to settled or chaos to calm is sometimes what I call it. And I would want to encourage any parent listening, like, I talk about how that's our work first. Mm -hmm. and then kids work second and I would say for any parent who feels stuck in a pattern of yelling which we can easily get into any pattern we can get stuck in but there would be a lot of opportunity to develop skills and strategies for yourself so that we don't have to lay down at bed at night the way we all have as parents at some point just say that is so not how I wanted that to go down that's Mm -hmm. no not who I wanted to be in that moment and that when we blow it we move toward repair but we hope you know, the long game becomes kids getting to see more and more opportunity for us practicing something different in, in front of them that gives mm-hmm. them so much space and permission to be practicing that for themselves over time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting, John, a few weeks back, I was in the airport trying to get from Nashville to Orlando, and it was that day, do you all remember that day when there was a record number of oh, flight yeah. cancellations? Mm-hmm. And Driving to the airport, I kept getting delay text. And then I arrive, pull into the airport, and I get a cancellation text. And so I'm like, all right, go on in and go to the gate and try to figure it out. And at that point, I just didn't have any idea all of what was happening weather wise around the country and then flight shutting down. There were some mechanical things going on. Anyhow, for all the travel I've done in the last decade, I have never seen anything like what I saw in the airport that day. And I have never seen as many adult men, like professional men dressed in suits, well-educated people, losing their minds. Like, I've never seen so many adult males screaming. I mean, certainly there were women losing it too, but it was noticeable there were more of our gender screaming at gate agents, you know, like somehow believing they had control over the weather in this world. Right. And and it was, I think, one for me, I, I felt really thankful the book was being printed as, (laughs) as this was happening. Okay. This is a great reminder. Like any of us, and I'm not saying that from place of judgment, like I could feel myself, like I had all kinds of fear. Like I've got to get to Orlando. I have to speak in the morning, like, and I'm panicked. Do I need to get in a car and drive? Do all these things? And I could feel my body temperature changing. And Mm. you know, that's what I talk about in this book, like helping kids figure out what are the signs and signals your body is giving you in that moment. And I could have Easily been any of those men screaming yeah. at a gate agent, mm-hmm. which would have been productive for no one. Right. Not for me, not for them. And because I've been immersing myself in this content through the research, I was like, could say to myself, go to the gift shop and get a water, start walking around the airport. Mm-hmm. Get on your phone and try to book a flight on another airline. Like, I could start strategizing, not because I'm more skilled in this place, but just because I have been camped out in all of this research mm-hmm. for some time. And so think about that within the context of parenting. You know, like, what would it look like in those months? Like, do something productive for yourself so that I get to be more of who I want to be in this world yeah. as a father, as a man, as a... Human being as a person of faith. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. so so can you lean in? Uh, which you talk about this in the book, but why is it so? I mean, you, you again. This is something you address. Why is it so hard for men to deal with emotions? Why is that so difficult? Sister, again, and I want John and I. One, we know this, but two, this is sure. not something particular. Listeners. We don't struggle with, but right. we want for think other about men. We want to think people we, think yeah. about people yeah. we know. Thanks. Absolutely,
2: <laughs> yes, we see it online. You know, there was <laughs> <laughs> there was this fascinating research I came across when when I was working on the book that you know spoke to so many of the things I know but a few I didn't realize were as bad as they are at this point like I found all this data about you know how we as males are less likely to reach out for help we're less Mm -hmm. likely to talk about significant life events we're less likely to even go for well visits with our doctors. So it's fascinating research about how many women wow. go every totally. every year and think about that you all. Yeah. That's in terms of in terms of our physical health, our mental health, uh-huh. our spiritual health, where women are just more likely to reach out and ask for help. Then you jump into the really scary stats like we lead the stats for infidelity, sex addiction, substance abuse, self-harm, suicide, on and on and on and you scale down adolescent boys lead the scariest stats in those spaces as Mm. well. And so you see the connection. The scariest statistic I came across was that globally, across the globe, one man commits suicide every minute of every day. Good night. That's what we've reached at this point for us as males. Obviously, the stats are a little bit less in our country, but across the globe, that's the reality at this point. And so I don't share all that to scare anybody but just hopefully to create the sense of urgency like we've just got a lot of work to do and if we you know jump from that scariest place all the way down to what can we be doing with young boys to help them learn to ask for help to help them learn to talk about when they feel afraid to help them learn to navigate what I call just the discomfort of life, which is the price of admission for being a human being in this mm-hmm. world. So that I've been practicing those skills so that my dad's been practicing those skills in front of me so that kids just get to see this on the grownups they trust the most in this world that we could be having a crazy fun night. I'm so grateful you shared that story, John. And then it's like, I got really amped up and I'm learning to do these things to get me from stress to settled. I'm learning to do these things when I feel out of control, when my body's sounding these sirens and, alarms inside of me and this is the work that i need to do in these different moments Hmm. whether i'm in the arena parenting whether i'm trying to get from nashville to orlando in the airport and flights are shut down whatever the situation may be and then think on all the things that our kids are going to face in the everyday of their life Mm -hmm. where they're going to feel these big emotions i didn't get picked for a team i studied hard for a test and i bombed it Everybody around me got asked the homecoming dance, and I did. Whatever it may be, it's time to take the ACT. It's time to apply for college. All these different moments when yeah. our kids are going to feel these big emotions around the discomfort of life. I want kids to feel prepared. Mm-hmm. What are the?
0: Uh, this is another thing you talk about in there. What? What? As uh, being dads, what do you feel like the things that kids need, especially from each of their parent? So, so as we're developing these skills, as you said, and how to sort of grow into, uh, not only as kids, but as parents now, but too. But when you think about a a dad and what he can offer
2: emotionally to a child and a mother can offer, what are those things? I do think there are some things unique to gender. And I talk about, uh, for moms of boys, you know, how you are a boy's first and most intimate experience with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. So he's going to learn so much about what it looks like to interact with females through his relationship with you. And that moms are, for a lot of boys, the safest place on earth, the person that he'll tell the most to. Yeah. And certainly there are exceptions to that rule. And, and,
0: and just real quick, I'll tell you the thing that's interesting about being a dad in that space. Annie came down the other night and she was talking about one of our sons. And how he just sits and, like, at night, and it's the sweetest thing because I walk by the bedroom and she'll be laying, you know, there with him. And he's just kind of divulging this information. And it's hard as a dad not to kind of feel like, well, hold on now. Like, I want to, like, yes. tell him what's going on. And, and he tells me different things than her, but that's a hard thing. I mean, as a dad, course to kind of feel is. like, well, how come, like, we're bros. He should, yeah, like read me in on this stuff, uh-huh. but it, it doesn't really happen like that a lot of times.
2: It often doesn't, and I would challenge any dad listening to be one, hearing me say that's really normal, but two, it's good for us to ask the question all throughout development. Like, am I doing the work I need to do yeah. to be as safe as I can? You right. know, is there anything that would be standing in the way of him telling me yeah, more? Right. Which absolutely, is and true. even <laughs> takes us right back to that thing. Like, am I modeling enough for him? Like, what it looks like to yeah. talk about all the things in life in a way that he feels like he could have those conversations safely with me. But the other thing I would say that Dave is, you know, the second thing I talk about boys needing from moms, I talk first about moms being safe. And then I talk about moms letting go and that there will be a bit of a passing of the baton Mm. in the race as he moves deeper into his adolescence. And he starts separating out from all things, Feminine, that's part of his masculine journey when he is going to need you on a whole new level as a dad and having access. And then the third thing with moms I talk about is staying steady. And that, you know, as boys feel safe, it's right back to the being safe. As they feel really safe with their moms, they can start to grant themselves permission to stop allowing her to just be a sounding board and become a verbal punching bag. And it's like, right. I'm going to give her the worst of yeah, who I am. Right. If I've had a right. lousy day, I'm going to come home and just you know, spew all of that. And I want moms to be a sounding board, but not a verbal punching right. bag. And so when boys push hard against their moms, I want them to set really good, clear, firm boundaries. Like, I'm here for you, but I'm not here for you to disrespect right. me. So, right. again, back to all the safety he experiences. So that's some of what I mean when I talk about the staying strong that prepares him for all the rest of the relationships like I don't want a boy growing into dating girls believing that's your role in my life that's right I'm gonna go out and be amazing in the world and I'm just gonna spew all over you like that's your job just kind of take all that and let me just unload and then translating that to his wife someday with dads I talk a lot about how much I think boys and I think you all would say this was likely your journey it certainly was mine that we're asking these questions all throughout our growing up like do I measure up do I have what it takes all those important questions that boys aren't even aware they're asking in different Mm -hmm. moments and where I think we give unique validation and answers to those questions throughout their growing up because we as men know what it takes to be a man in this world now The three of us have taught before, I think maybe we talked a little last time, and I just would remind folks again, there is a real tendency that can be there that I've seen in my 25 years of doing this work for moms to be particularly hard on their daughters because they understand what it means to be a woman in this world Mm -hmm. and for dads to be extra hard on Mm -hmm. their sons. Mm -hmm. And then the opposite relationship... (laughs) there's too much coddling. It's like, I'm right. too hard on my sons. I'm too easy on my daughter. My right. wife is too hard on my daughters and she's too easy on my sons. Yeah. So pay real close attention so that we give equal parts of strength and love to yeah. kids. Yeah. Not one being good cop, one being bad cop, one being hard, one being easy. know, hmm. yeah,
1: I feel like I, I only have daughters, but there are, man, when you said the thing about the well visits, how men are less likely to, to, to set up well visits with their doctor. It's so funny because I, you know, I now for the last maybe three years have gone to get an annual physical and I only have done that because Amy, after years of being like, you need to just go get a checkup and me not doing it. And then finally she like, here's the name of the doctor. This is your doctor now. Just hit this link and set up, a, you know, and I don't think of myself as being a, you know, I'm not like a Stereotypically masculine alpha male like nah I can i'll if I get a sickness I'll heal myself mm-hmm. or whatever. the Lord is on my side <laughs> um but I as a dad of daughters, I feel like i'm I'm particularly have my eye out for areas of life that are stereotypically labeled as masculine, and I want to as much as I can take the gender normativeness off those so they will so my daughters will see so i guess so my daughters can figure out what they want to do without feeling like oh i gotta go left here because no girls don't go right there you know what i mean and i and when you're talking about the the how men don't set up well visits for themselves it's like in some subtle whatever way we as a society say to our boys well, that's kind of a, that's leaning feminine mm-hmm. to ask for help, to acknowledge that there may be something. And I don't even, when you break it down, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't hold up as a feminine thing, of course, or as a masculine thing or whatever, but it's definitely something that is true in our society.
2: Oh, well, I talk about how we have absolutely gendered emotions and the different ways that we do that. I even, Talk about how often we ask girls how they feel about something, and we ask mm-hmm. boys what they think about something. Wow. And how important so the other direction is. And we like, don't even I wanna, realize we're doing it. Absolutely. Like I want us to ask the girls we love more of, what do you feel and what do you think? And I certainly want us to be asking boys more of, what do you feel about yeah. what's going on around you? Mm. And can I throw in one other assignment Please. that I would love for any dads listening to think about that I think is another part of where we do this. Like I often have asked kids over the years in my office, like who are your mom's three closest friends? Wow. And I can't tell you how often kids can rattle it off right mm. like that. And then yeah. if I say, who are your dad's three closest Jeez, friends? Louise, man. How many boys can sometimes name one, but can't get to two or three. Yeah. And yeah. some boys can't name one or or, who, or if I were to ask, like, tell me about that person. That's somebody my dad works with. So it totally. might be a co-worker yeah. but not necessarily a friend. Sometimes is. And, men listening, I just want to challenge you in that space. Like, I want your kids to know who you spend time with. I want them to know when you spend time with them. What comes from that time? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's so great when we're just sitting around the dinner table and you're like, John and I record a podcast today. Can I tell you something I learned about that? Mm-hmm. Like something john and i sat around for 30 minutes and talked about Mm like i so want kids boys in particular to overhear those kind of conversations with their dads that that's what intimate friendship looks Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you know i i made it a habit that my pastor is one of my dear friends and that i would talk with my boys about i walked with carter today can i tell you about something i learned that i just hadn't thought about and so i want him to hear us talking about attending to our physical health, our mental health, and our spiritual health, like when we're doing that, how we're doing that. I would even, this may surprise folks hearing me say this, I would even want you, if you're in counseling right now, to be talking about that with your kids. I Sometimes we'll have parents be like, but doesn't that scare them if they know we're in marital counseling? Aren't they going to worry about our marriage? No. I think Mm -hmm. it gives kids peace of mind. Yeah, I've had kids in my office say, who know their parents go get marital counseling to say, will you tell my parents to go meet with their person? Oh like, my gosh, that's hysterical. <laughs> and I think every time I hear kids say that, I love that. Like yeah. I love that yeah. you know your parents have a person. Uh-huh. And what you're telling me is you're picking up on something's going on between them, yeah. which let me just also say, kids have their thumb on the pulse of a family way more yeah, than we give them credit for. They know. like, And we can easily believe that only our daughters are reading the room that's a great word mm-hmm. and I 100% am here to tell you that boys are reading the room too Yeah, yeah. they, they d- may not have all the skills in place and, and be as intuitive in terms of how they absorb and what they do with that experience but they're feeling it, they just often don't know which is what the book's about, what to do with it Dave, John <laughs>
1: I can hear the breath, I yeah. know you're ready Hey, uh, question for you. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite sound? Oh, gosh. I've never asked. Yeah. And I've always wanted to know. That's fair.
0: I've been waiting for you to ask. Uh, My Children's Laughter is going to be in Mm. that list. Two, I think right second course of Lost when you're really getting into kind of that sweet. Yeah. You really can tell your voice is happening. You sound gorgeous there. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Whippoorwill and Winter. And probably fourth. When Bruce Hornsby sang to us on the podcast. Oh, that was pretty amazing.
1: How great was that? I've dreamed of that life.
0: All right. Well, how about this sound? Uh, I should have said that. That's it. That's my yep. answer for sure. Yeah. Dave,
1: I have used Shopify forever. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that sound, oh, anytime someone buys something from my online store, what happens? it pops up. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify. Yep. And that's your All children eating one, for another That's place. right. My kids can buy that meal. It's an all-in-one <laughs> commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business.
0: Let's see what kind of Johnny Mac merch I can get. Okay, here we go. Got a nice JM throwback mm-hmm. tee. Oh, oh does there Does this it is. come in medium?
1: Yes, it does. I <laughs> love that. I love that. <laughs> I love how Shopify has tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street, to around the globe. You can
0: reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and
1: apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Also, you can gain insight as you grow and detailed reporting of conversion rates. Yep. You know I love conversion Ugh, rates. Don't say profit margins. Well, the thing that I love com- more than conversion rates... It's profit margins oh, and beyond, Dave. There's more than that. Yeah. So more than a store, Shopify grows with
0: you. Yeah. That should be on a Hallmark card, John. That's yeah, how it much it moves me and got me teary. Mm-hmm. Go to Shopify.com/Dadville, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get
1: full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com/Dadville right, right now.
0: now. The um and, and that's that was something I was gonna ask what you you're sort of saying is like kind of what l- it looks like to sort of have disagreements in front of your kids and letting that be okay but how to do that in ways that feel you know Andy and now had a conversation a heated <laughs> debate um and ben was in the room our oldest and it was interesting doing it while he was sitting there because i was like we kind of need to keep doing this because I think this is good for everybody. Yes. One, it kind of, we had to temper what we said because he was sitting there. But I think two, I was actually really glad that he never looked awkward. Like he kind of just mm-hmm. kept me look up and then he was kind of working on homework and it was, and he was never, cause you know, we've done that before when he was younger and he was like, why are you daddy? Why are you making this face? And mom, why are you saying it like this or whatever? And then at that moment I was kind of like, this sort of feels like a weird win that he's, or maybe it's sad that he's like this is what my parents do. But you know that he was there. But I mean that's valuable things to do, right? Yes.
2: I want kids to get some to sit front row and see that one because it's normal relationship, which is what they're going to uh-huh. live in in their own yeah. marriages. And evidence of what it looks like for two people who love each other to disagree with respect. Yeah. To again, to our conversation, pay attention to if there's a moment where it's like, "Hey, sweet we probably need to take a time out. Like yeah. I, I need a minute because I feel kind of worked up. I just so mm-hmm. wish more kids got to s- sit front row and watch their parents say things and do things like that. Like, yeah. here's what I'm going to do for the next two minutes and then we'll come back together. Or I apologize. I, I just raised my voice. Like I was talking too loud to you. Like it was really little kids break down the, the mechanics of what's of what happening, happening that yeah. we know yeah. they're reading in this moment. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, couldn't begin to tell you all the stories that I've heard kids report things that they've observed in their parents' marriages that were often only nonverbal things. Wow. Like, I had a little boy years ago who was six years old say to me one time, like, sometimes my dad hurts my mom with his eyes. Wow. Mm. Jeez. It was this little guy's way of, Picking up on the conflict that was going on when nothing was being able, was being said, yeah. but could tell like he's communicating something to her. His face looks different in those moments, you know. And so yeah. let's let's pay attention first to that. Let's do the work we need to do, but let's create some opportunity to your great question for great learning and great modeling in those moments. And so in great repair. Back to John, what yeah. you right. shared. You Let it. We see get to the see, full yes, arc of it. Absolutely, yeah. because. That's what prepares them to be in relationship now and certainly down the road. And let's be honest. I mean, if a, the
1: kid who is seeing that subtle, like body language is happening, that to me says like, look, you might as well just, just do it here. You might as well just like, even if you leave the room, they know that something's, they know there's a miss. Yeah. Yeah. And what message does that send that like, when you have disagreements, that's, I don't know, shameful? You need to go away? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. And, but also, like, Amy and I have had, have made it a, a point in the last year or two or whatever that when we do have a disagreement, let's, like, try to have this disagreement together so that they can see us disagreeing and, like we said, like, see the full arc of it, then see us come to some kind of resolution and move on but also it i feel like it just helps us be more productive. Yes. We're not going to be i'm more likely to be wait, how do i say this? I'm less likely to be my like idiot self. If it's just Amy and I, I'm going to I'm just going to be less productive. But if the girls are there, it's like when I say things I'm going to keep it like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see that point you made that many <laughs> times Amy. Let me say, you know. And sometimes they're like are you guys fighting? Like they're very interested. Like, is this a fight? Yes. And there have been some times that we're like, no, we're just talking. You know, we're we're disagreeing. And sometimes we're like, yeah, we're we're fighting. And this is here's here's what a, a healthy fight looks like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That that that. And then I'll ask him like, so who won? <laughs>
0: who do you feel like?
1: Who? Whose side do you choose? Yeah,
0: guys. Do you see why daddy is making a better point than mommy? <laughs> Do you see that? Um, okay, couple couple more questions. Um, thanks again for your time. Something that John and I both talked about, and Amy kind of had a thought about this. I know Annie and I talked about this too. Uh, this is, this is um, of the last couple questions, this is kind of one of the things I wanted to round up this with because we both had interest in sort of figuring this out. When you think about kids um, and kind of how we uh, uh, give them names and how we sort of attribute, like, you're being brave. You're so brave. Like, son, you're brave. And you're doing the, Amy and I were kind of laughing because sometimes it's just not true. Like their native programming is not to be brave. It's to be more, but they have a great skill in this other thing. How do you as a parent, um, our version of asking this, and then John can kind of ask what he and Amy were talking about. Cause it's, they're sort of twin questions. I feel like Siamese twin questions, but our version of it was like, how do you, have an eye on this seems to be their leaning, this child's leaning, they, and given them 10 opportunities, they're going to choose this pretty much 10 out of 10 times to do this in this scenario where you're trying to not be inauthentic with them, but give them bravery. And let's say they, most times they get fearful in that situation, you're getting bravery. Um, how do you navigate those without being inauthentic? And, and at some point, I mean, I'll never forget when I was doing this with Ben. This is one of my favorite, parent, favorite parenting moments he and this is how Ben works, but our oldest he had played this basketball game it was terrible. They got shellacked. I mean, it was comical how bad they got beat. We get in the car <laughs> and I said, I'm really trying to figure out how to play this. And I was like, man, if David Thomas was here, he could tell me. And and literally I get in the car and I'm like, Bud, like, you know, how did would you feel about the game? And he was like, Oh, I mean, it was com- it was like a stand up routine. He's like, Dad, that was awful. And I was like, That was pretty bad. And he's like, we got beat. He's like, I don't want to play basketball anymore if that's how this is going to go. We were terrible. And I go, well, you know, I, you had some great shots. And he said, Dad, please don't do that. Wow. And I was like, do what? He goes, we got beat. You saw it. That was a nightmare. He's like, can you just agree with me that it was terrible? And literally, I was like, yeah, that was awful. <laughs> that was awful. He's like, "Thank you." It literally—I was so impressed with this, and he goes, "Thank you," because that was awful, and I don't really think there was much good to take from that. And I'd rather it just be awful. <laughs> and I remember being like, "You know, bro, if that's gonna—yes, that was really bad." And he was like, God. and we just kind of rode. But I think it's hard for me. I think one that—that th- thing of knowing how to do that in appropriate moments to go like, "Be brave," and you can do this. Not so going like. Okay, let's be honest. This is not your skill set. You know, also, 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 how do you, and maybe these are different questions I don't mean for them to be, but how do you also, as we're parenting kids, not do the thing where, that I think is really easy, but also is kind of lazy to do. That's my little guy. That's my girl who here... You know, that's my little guy who loves to, because I've seen that firsthand, how that can get, that can get you in trouble because that kid grows into something that's not that or they just go, well, that's what they call me. So that's what I'm going to be. Like, how do you navigate that space as we think about being parents and naming kids, attributing things to them, or I think honestly, kind of being lazy and sometimes and going, well, when he was seven, he did that. And that's my little guy who does the parent. And they're going, that's not what I do. You know, how do do you do that? I know John has a question about it too, which you can get to, but like, what, what what is that how, how do we navigate that part of it?
2: I would first say, I love that you started with a question, and I love it for two reasons. One because you weren't going to make a declaration about how that game went down until you gave him an opportunity for mm-hmm. his own reporting and then followed his lead and then he reminded you, which I <laughs> love that you told that story because I want every parent listening to be reminded of that, like kids want truth tellers, huh and I think they can see through us when we're not. Like, nah, uh that was awesome. It's like, no, it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> nailed terrible. it. It was awful. It a was kid, not only not awesome, kid it was awful. my age dubbed on me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> is weird. Absolutely. And so I want to challenge parents listening to know that I think kids want that in all seasons. Hmm. All seasons. Because if we aren't truth-tellers front to start in the most important moments when they're needing it, they just won't believe us. Wow. We haven't established ourselves as trustworthy right. sources. So right. I would nextly say, I think we can create opportunities for what I call practice. Like, what do you want to do with that? And I would even back up one step and say, I would following a game or following an event like that when we know, again, there's a lot of motions in the equation not do a lot with any declaration like, I'm never playing basketball again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, maybe say something like, I get why it would feel that way. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk more about it later, but just take some time off. Get some distance away from that. What do you need right now? And so, at a later point, we could pick it back up and say, you know, when we were talking, you said this. How does it feel right now? And often, I think kids in those moments would say things like, well, I don't really want to quit, but maybe I want to be in a different league because Mm -hmm. we keep having to play these kind of teams. So, there again, creating opportunity for connections and critical thinking and a lot of things. I would say to your second question, I'm grateful you brought it up because I really do think there is a strong tendency to do that. And I think it happens every day in parents that we're naming certain kids only in certain ways. And at the end of the day, I think we're, you know, making them one dimensional creatures, which none of us wanna be. Right. Like you all are not only artists. You are brilliant artists, but you're also fathers, your husbands, your sons, your friend. You're all these things. We're all these things, and so we're coffee icons. That's you, well are, just, you know. <laughs> you I was waiting for you to say it, but yeah, I did right. miss that one. Yeah. yeah, but giving kids opportunity to grow into a lot of different things and not making them one-dimensional creatures. So. I would watch for that. I, I sit with a lot of parents who, when they sit down to even describe their kids, will say, like, he's the funny one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. Our firstborn yes. anxious girl, you know, and I just think yeah. that's unfair. That's that's some of the evidence of what you're seeing right now, and then guess what? we got a whole runway of development to get to see a lot more evidence. Well, about.
1: wouldn't you say that there there's such power in those subtle word choices that we use, that, you, like saying something like, he is so brave he's our brave one or whatever versus he was brave in this last night in the game he he was really brave yes hmm. like or like t- somehow saying it in a way that separates them like luca is luca livy is livy and sometimes luca is really funny or what you know some like not identifying them as this but but in an instance in this one situation she did this thing yes it's not that she is that thing and that goes for good things as far as as well as bad things like it it reminds me of the i think it's Brené Brown who says like guilt and shame like guilt is i did something terrible shame is yes, I, I am, am terrible, terrible. <laughs> you know like those slight little terminology differences I think make a lot of, you know, make a lot of difference. Absolutely. And it's like you're saying to the, how we ask boys how they, what they think and girls, how they feel. It's just seems like such innocuous little things that we do that we don't even think about that are well intended that, you know, hopefully we're becoming more and more aware
2: of the ramifications of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and to your great point, I think if we are always, even think about that because it sounds so positive. If I'm always naming, you're so brave. You are the brave one. Yeah. Think about the pressure and expectation that can put on kids, too. Like, that's my only job. Yeah. And if I've got any fear going on inside, I better not let that show. Yeah. Because then to, that's an identity issue. Yes. Not just a, an isolated situation
1: that you can deal with. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And kids, I mean, this is, I mean, oh my God, this is so obvious to say, but I think I'm always reminded how much kids change. Like, and, yeah. and, and it's, it, it, and I get it. Anybody out there that's like, that does this, I am with you. And it is a struggle of mine because it's just easy to do. It's easy to see one of my kids have a tendency for a year of doing something and going, that's my little, she, that's my little mm-hmm, strong girl. Yeah. That's my little brave boy. That's my little sensitive sweetheart. That's my little artistic, but it's my little musical. I get it. I get it. Anybody out there that's like, oh, we do that, I I do it. But I think I've also seen the other side of that enough with friends my age who still struggle, still to this day. Like, you know, my dad thinks I'm the thunce, and that's what I I, I sort of either do that when I'm around him, or I can't get him to understand that I haven't done that in 10 years, and that's not what I care about anymore. And it can really cause such schisms in families because – a parent has understood a child is this way or name them in that way. And then years later, they're kind of going, hey, like, eh, that's not really. And then they're like, what do you mean? And then it's like, I don't know how to change my interaction with you because I've based it on that for our relationship for the last 20 years. Yeah. And it's like, then it's just awkward because, boy, I got that wrong and you're different. It's just it leads to so many confusing, so much confusion later in life. And but I, but I get because I see that in me. I so badly want to go, can I just call you something and move on? Sure. Because then I don't have to keep paying, paying attention and I sure. can be selfish. It's getting a little on me right now. Um, so one of the things that um, – thank you for your time, by the way. Yes. Love You're just a here. legend. Yes. You are the mayor of legend. Dadville. One of the things that we wanted to kind of bring up lastly because it is so uh, present and its, it's real time, and John and I talked about this for a while before, um, was just this shooting that's happened and how – you know, John came in just talking how much this has been so heavy, um, and he was, you know, walking through how it was making him feel. And we were talking about that, and we just both thought, you know, it would be a disservice to not have you here speak on this, as it's kind of in the zeitgeist right now, um, and sadly has been so much in the last years. Um, but John, like, what? What? I, I, I'd honestly rather you ask that question. Like, how would you want to?
1: Well yeah, coming into it, I was just thinking i I would want to ask you and close out by asking what are some what's some advice that you would give parents with kids on how to talk about this with their kids because you know Luca and Livy now are nine and six almost seven. there have been just mind blowing amounts of school shootings in their little lifetimes. Yes. And it's it's at the point where we you know they're going to hear about these things. I mean they're doing these drills at school. Absolutely. Of course any student who is in school in this country knows on some level what a school shooting is cuz just like I did tornado drills in Indiana growing up, they're doing these lockdowns. Yes. And so I think it it I think it's good that we talk to them on some level about these school shootings and what they are but I don't know like to what level do we, how much do we say I think we should say something
2: because they know what's happening on some course. level so wh- what advice would you give us as parents you know guys it's, it's interesting as I was driving here to be with you today there's an elementary school at the end of my street mm-hmm. and I drove by and there were kids playing in front and I I got so teary just looking and thinking mm-hmm. there were there were kids playing on a playground at that school that day, yeah. you know, yeah. and and just is so hard to still digest that reality just happened again in our world, as you said, and that it has happened as often as it has, and and I can still remember what I felt on the inside the first time I heard a kid in my office say we did an uh, active shooter drill today, jeez, and what it felt like to just sit with that and and to think about the exact thing, John, that you said, like I very much remember doing tornado drills growing up, I cannot believe that would be a drill that is required and needed in schools. I'm not saying as a Mm -hmm. criticism. I understand why it is. But to think, even to our conversation about anxiety on the front side, like, talk about an ingredient right there. Like, if that is a part of any child's process, which it is in this world right now, what a trigger that alone could be. You know, that that possibility exists in our world that didn't for the three of us when we were growing up. And so I think it is to acknowledge that that's there and to invite kids into conversation in the great way that you just mentioned following their lead that would be the first instruction i would Hmm. really want to give parents like avoid the tendency to say what i need to say and just listen for what they're needing Hmm. which is going to vary for every kid based on age based on temperament based on exposure but i think you could even start with a question like tell me what you've heard Tell me what your friends are saying. Tell me what you overheard. Mom and I talking about. If a kid walked out of that conversation just this morning with a parent, like they walked in the room and they were talking. Tell me what you overheard. So, okay, now we have the opportunity. Or your, your school just talked about it. So, I would follow their lead. I would do a lot of listening to what they feel and knowing that kids digest and process in doses is what we call it, which is very different to how we do it as adults. You know, we can go into hard, deep conversations and stay for a long time. And we need to work it all the way through. Kids do not. It's mm. it's kind of the way they go underwater in a swimming pool. Like wow. think about it. If you've ever watched a kid, you know, they go underwater and they fly up and it's evident to everyone. I was out of breath and I need to breathe above uh-huh. water. There are a lot of kids who you'll be talking about something hard and they'll say, can we be done now? and yeah. I need to go outside and kick the soccer ball, and I'd 100% let them. As opposed to, No, you need to stay here. We've got to talk more. Right. And so right. acknowledge that we talk a lot about how kids have an internal barometer and it goes off when they can't work with more information, and that's going to be different for every kid. There are some kids who their internal barometer goes off early, and for some kids it's later. So I, that's part of following their lead of how long we would talk and how much we would talk. And then I would say, lastly, we want to be really concrete and reminding kids in the ways that we can that they're safe, and back to even our conversation, we're trustworthy sources, meaning you can come to me and ask any question. You can come to me when you feel afraid, and we'll talk about what to do, all those things. But the tendency for us as adults, because we have abstract thinking, is to talk in more of the grays. Well, This could happen, but it probably won't because of this. You just talk about the concrete. Yeah. This has never happened in our city. Mm -hmm. I'm here with you. Your school does these drills for this reason. This is the email that they sent to me that told us these things, you know, like, just anchor them strongly to that. Mm -hmm. We don't need to deal in all of the abstracts. And that's not me saying, pretend like those those things don't exist, but... If you developmentally can't. Absolutely, grasp they can't. If yeah. you have kids pre twelve in terms of their cognitive development, they're in concrete thinking. They can only work with black and white statements. They need a lot of concrete safety and truth to anchor too. Hmm. So those will be some things that Gosh. I would consider as parents are thinking about navigating more of these conversations. Yeah. That's great. Yeah,
0: man. Thank you a million times. And again, folks, raising emotionally strong boys um, is out or depends on you, yeah, it should be out by the time that this is out, and we are a million times, every time you come on, it's just, you know, I think, one of the things that's funny about this podcast is people ask me, I had, I had kind of hung with some friends that have a Bible study together, these younger guys, and they were kind of asking me about the podcast, and they said, like, you know, what is one of your favorite things about it, and I said, I think it's just how um, having experts on like yourself, it's just as much for me as it is the listeners. I mean, it's like I almost forget we're recording. Oh, I was yeah. like, God, this is great that I get all yeah. this wisdom so, yeah. <laughs> so much in these you know in these settings. So a lot of that is due to you and your wisdom, so we're really thankful yes. for that. So I thank you a million, bajillion Being times. in the
2: space, I, I do want to end by saying that I, I heard you say the mayor of Dadville, and I got really <laughs> attached to that name, and so now that it's time for the jacket is it possible to send that back and have that put on the back we'll, no, we'll give sure. you I a want summer. it without we'll it.
0: give you the little like what you know the little gavel that says like uh, or
1: maybe a key to the, key city. To the city I
2: yeah. love that we'll but love I'd love I'd love for you to lead with that when I come back <laughs> <now>. okay, absolutely it's <laughs> your one
1: request <laughs> <laughs>